Attention HR professionals. Are you tired of dealing with poor performance from your managers? Are you sick of having managers run to you for every single little problem? Would you like to build the confidence and competence of your management team? If so, then contact Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, we specialize in building up the skills and confidence of your organization's managers. We do this through our popular Driving Results on-site training programs, our signature program, the Video-Driven Boss Builder Academy, and we even license our course materials so you and your internal training staff can get those managers confident and competent. For more information on how we can help you improve the performance of your organization's managers, contact us today at www.thebossbuilders.com or at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you who are in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making that important transition to management. One of the things you've probably discovered is that you don't have enough time during the day to get even your regular work done, much less take care of you. Fortunately, we have a solution for you today on this episode. We are going to be chatting with Pete Leibman. Now, Pete's a consultant, a speaker. He's a best-selling author, the author of Work Stronger, Habits for More Energy, Less Stress, and Higher Performance at Work. He has been featured on Fox News, CBS Radio, and CNNMoney.com. Pete's a pretty smart guy and he's an athlete. And what he's going to do is he's going to help you strategize and plan your day as if you were a professional athlete. He's got great tips, great techniques, even tips to help you break bad habits and start and maintain good ones. At the end, he'll give you some contact information. You definitely need to get his book. There's some great info in that. So without any further delay, let's meet our guest, Pete Leibman. Pete Leibman, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, this is awesome. I've checked some of your workout and I've seen your video on your website, and I knew you'd be the perfect audience for our show because we do have a lot of listeners who are just really stressed out and burned out. And I think that what you have to share is going to be great. And so before we talk about your book and some of the work that you do, I was wondering if you might be able to share some of your background with us and what inspired you to write that book, Work Stronger? Sure. So uh, I'm a consultant, speaker, and author. My latest book is called Work Stronger, Habits for More Energy, Less Stress, and Higher Performance at Work. And my mission is to help leaders and companies thrive. There's a lot of pressure that exists in today's workplace. And you know, my focus is to help people be more resilient and more productive. And before writing my book, I worked as an executive recruiter at Hydrogen Struggles, one of the world's top search firms. And that was a big part of the impetus of writing this book is just seeing all the pressure that exists in today's workplace, especially for leaders and wanting to provide people with some practical solutions in terms of how to manage their energy and manage their stress and get more done in less time. Yeah, you shared a little bit about your background before we went on the show about uh, where you started. And I think it's pretty fascinating that you do what you do now, considering what you started doing. So we know about your recruiting background, but what was that first job out of Johns Hopkins? I found that pretty interesting. 
Sure. So uh, I went to Johns Hopkins. My dream growing up was to play professional basketball, and I wasn't good enough to do that. So I thought the next best thing would be to work in pro sports. So I worked for the Washington Wizards pro basketball team in D.C. for five years out of college, uh, worked in corporate sales. Uh, then I, I decided I wanted to go in a different direction professionally, wanted to become a speaker and an author and wrote my first book, which was a book on how to go from college to career and spent a few years talking to students and, and talking to uh uh, companies and colleges about how to communicate with this younger generation. And um, yeah, so it was kind of in the career space. And then the opportunity came along with Hydrogen Struggles. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I have a fairly entrepreneurial career, but really the, the key theme here has been career development and, and trying to help people uh, achieve greater success and satisfaction with what they're doing personally and professionally. Well, you know, you use the word energy. Mm-hmm. And, and so I want to talk about that because I interview a lot of folks that talk about energy and chakras and things like that. But mm-hmm. specifically, why do you think it's important for leaders to be concerned about managing their energy? What I would say, and it's interesting, you know, I hear a lot of leaders that say, you know, things like, you know, I'm too busy. I don't have time, whether they're talking about exercise or sleep or however they're defining managing their energy. And, you know, I always say, look, you know, saying you're too busy Um, to take care of yourself is really like saying you're too busy to stop for gasoline because of how far you want to drive. You know, leaders face more pressure. So you need to be even more deliberate about managing your energy so that you can handle that pressure and and show up at work at your best and and also serve as a, a leader and role model for the people that you're overseeing. So I think this is fundamental. And I think, you know, there are a lot of leaders who are feeling the pressure. What I'd also say is there are a growing number of leaders who are recognizing that by being more deliberate with their habits and how they manage their energy, they're actually going to be more effective and serve as stronger role models at work too. Well, it almost seems like it's counterintuitive. I need to take time to recharge my batteries, mm-hmm. but who's got the time? And, and I find it a lot of times with my audiences, as they say, I'm too busy. Like, for example, I'm too busy to correct that employee's performance. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you'll always find time at the end to write them up and try to get them fired. Mm-hmm. But is it is it the same principle with taking time for yourself, Pete? Do you just have to suck it up and get it done? I don't know if I'd say suck it up. I mean, I think it's more about trying to find a way to make it enjoyable. I think, um, you know, when people work longer hours, a lot of times they forget is they have to trade off something else. Right. And what do most people choose to cut? They cut out sleep. They cut out exercise. They cut out time with friends and family, personal interests. These are all of the things that give us juice and help us show up at work at our best and be more productive. And it was interesting. I was talking with a CEO a couple of years ago, and, and he, was, he referred to my book as a book on balance. And I said, this is not a book on balance. This is a book on high performance. You know, the, the better you are in terms of managing your energy, uh, the better you're going to be at your job. You know, the more focused you're going to be, the more resilient you're going to be. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of research that supports the fact that uh, this is not just about balance and, and uh, your life outside of work. Everything that we're talking about here actually makes you better at your job. Well, you're a testament to that, too. I looked on your website and there's a picture of you doing some looks like some pretty intense exercise. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance it between travel and mm-hmm. making time and commitment to train? And, and uh, it looks like you run events and things like mm-hmm. that. So you've got advice for us. How do you manage that? I'm just curious for myself. Well, I would say not just me, right? I mean, there, there are leaders, the number of leaders I interviewed for my book, over 40 of them that, you know, frankly have more on their plate than I do. And I think what, what a lot of these people share with me is it's really just a question of priorities. 
you know, one of the people that I interviewed for the book was Strauss Zelnick, who is chairman and CEO at Take Two Interactive, a uh, big media company. And he, you know, he was pretty direct. He said, look, you know, there are a lot of things that I would like to do that just don't make the cut. He said, my priorities are my friends and family, my job, my fitness and my charitable work and mentoring. He said, you know, I'd like to watch more TV. I'd like to go to movies more. I'd like to have some other personal interests, but they're just not as high on the list as those categories he mentioned. So we all have the same amount of time. And I think, um, you know, people are probably going to have to make some trade-offs here, but it's really, you know, what is most important to you and what do you want to make a priority? And, and when you go at it that way, it's a, uh, it's a very different approach. That seems like it would be the, the larger part of the battle is the right mindset. But assuming now that I've said, okay, it's time that I get my act together, I'm going to start figuring out what's important and doing it, then we need a plan. And so you, you share a framework in your book called the stronger cycle. So tell us about the stronger cycle and why that's going to be critical to somebody's performance. Sure. So the stronger cycle is my framework on achieving and sustaining higher performance. Uh, four keys. So it's fuel, sweat, focus, renew. So when we're talking about fuel and, and sweat, that's all about nutrition and exercise. And I think everybody recognizes that those areas have a big impact on us physically. What a lot of people don't fully appreciate is the mental and emotional connection. The way you fuel your body and your brain has a tremendous impact in terms of how you're going to feel and perform every day at work. And same thing with exercise. You know, there's there's research that shows that actually being more active can delay your aging process of your brain and actually even help you grow new brain cells. So those two areas have a big impact on you mentally and emotionally, not just physically. We're talking about focus. You know, this is becoming a bigger and bigger challenge in today's world, especially with technology becoming you know, such a big part of our lives. It's, it's really hard to, to stay on task and to not get distracted and to really manage your mental energy and attention. And, and that's really crucial. And then finally, going back to Renew, we're talking about sleep and mindfulness and really disconnecting from work and, and being present outside of work and, and making time to just slow down and, and renew your energy. Again, that's going to help you show up at work refreshed, in a good mood, and in the right state of mind to really perform your best. So fuel, sweat, focus, Renew, those are the, the four keys to really thriving over the long term. No, great advice. And uh, I, I'm thinking about that and, you know, how to get started. But then I also think about distractions. And so in your book, you talk about technology and how it's making it harder to concentrate. So we know now that we got to have the right mindset. You've given us a nice roadmap with the stronger mm -hmm. cycle. So how do we get rid of distractions and interruptions and get more focused? Sure. Well, and just to kind of quantify how big of a problem this is, there was a study at UC Irvine where they found that the average person who works in an office either switches tasks on their own or is interrupted by something external every three minutes and five seconds. That's 19 times an hour. That's over 150 times a day. So I mean, for people listening to this, think of what that does to your productivity and stress. Think that what, what that does to the people who work for you. If you're going through your day and you're being interrupted or changing tasks every three minutes. And yeah, technology is a big part of that problem. So, you know, one very practical uh, recommendation that I'd share with people is a strategy I refer to called removing or reducing the cue. And, you know, when you're talking about breaking habits, you want to identify what the cue is that triggers the habit. We're talking about multitasking or, or switching tasks. A lot of times the cue that triggers, you know, the actual multitasking behavior 
is the incoming email, it's the text message, it's the social media notification, something related to technology. I think for a lot of people, you know, just their natural setting is, is just to be fully accessible all day long through email, through cell phone, through social media. For many people, just, just putting some boundaries in place where maybe you're actually closing your email for most or all of the day. Uh, maybe you're turning your cell phone off during periods where you want to concentrate. I think there's a, you know, a lot of ways that people can kind of put boundaries so they're not quite as accessible. And look, they could still check email every 30 to 60 minutes if they need to. But you know, how many calls and, and incoming emails really need to be handled within seconds, which I think a lot of people you know, maybe actually try to do. So, you know, this first thing about kind of putting some boundaries in place. Um, another thing I would share with people if they work in an open office environment would be to actually just wear headphones for most or all of the day. You know, it's a very subtle way to, to tell people not to bother you. It can help block out background noise in terms of what's going on around you. So really just thinking about how can you engineer your environment in a way that makes it easier to focus because the default setting for a lot of people is they're just being inundated with interruptions all day. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. How many hours of your day are wasted by managers calling with personal problems they really should be able to handle on their own? Why not give them a copy of the Essential HR Handbook? The newly revised and updated 10th anniversary edition of this bestseller is jam-packed with tools, checklists, sample forms, and timely tips to guide you through the maze of HR issues in today's complex business environment. So, buy a copy of the Essential HR Handbook for each of your managers today, and keep a copy on your own desk too. And now, back to the show. Well, it's, that's liberating. I mean, at my age, I'll start on something and then forget what I was doing. So I can only imagine um, with distractions. Although last week, it was interesting. I was in Maryland and my phone went dead. The charger wouldn't work. And, and, it went, and I had no phone. And I thought, wow, what is life like without a phone? I can't use the GPS to get to my next yeah. customer. But there was a sense of peace which lasted all of about four minutes. Then I'm desperately got to the Verizon store to get it fixed. So I, I, I get it. And, and I love the idea of the headphones. And you know, it's funny, I read a lot of uh, studies on the open office mm -hmm. concept and how people love the collaboration, but it sounds like from what you say, it, it may have the opposite effect, I guess, right? I think it does. I mean, you know, personally, you know, you see these companies touting the fact that it's an open office environment. Well, there is a trade-off there. You're also inviting a lot more interruption throughout the day. So, um, you know, not necessarily trying to argue against that setup, but what I'm recommending is for people who, who work in that environment, you know, trying to put some, some strategies in place to manage that as opposed to just allowing yourself to be distracted, interrupted every three minutes and five seconds, like most people are on average. Yeah, that's a scary stat. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, working out now. So in the book, you recommend that people should work like an athlete. So mm -hmm. what does that mean to work like an athlete? Sure. So that's actually a, a concept that refers more to how people approach their workday as opposed to working out. But I give you two examples of what it means to work like an athlete. So you know, when you think of the world's best athletes or really the best performers in any space, they don't just show up for their event and, and start their game or performance. They have a very deliberate pre-game or pre-show ritual to get themselves in the best mental, emotional, and physical state 
before their performance begins. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of people who work in, in office and corporate jobs could really take a lesson from. You know, for most people, and you have 250 game days a year, right? You're working five days a week, maybe 50 weeks a year. What is your pregame ritual? You know, are you just showing up at work? Is the morning kind of mindless? Are you rushing out the door? You know, maybe you have uh, children you're, you're trying to get to school and it's kind of chaotic. It's not a great way to start the day. I think one of the best things that people can do, and one, one way to work like an athlete is to re really, really deliberate with your morning routine. You know, to, to do some activities, whether it's, you know, exercise, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, a quality meal with friends and family, but something intentional to set yourself up so when you get to work, you're really in your best possible state. And again, I just don't think that's the reality for most people. So, so that'll be one example. Um, another example of working like an athlete is really how you go through your day. And when you think about the world's best athletes, really what they do is they fluctuate between intervals of, of really super focus, you know, performance periods followed by strategic recovery periods. Again, that's not how most people work. Most people are kind of multitasking, kind of distracted for most of the day. Um, working like an athlete is really fluctuating between a period where you go all in, you focus on one critical task for maybe 45 to 60 minutes. Then you take a short break, you know, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes to, to stand up, move around, renew your energy. And that's going to help you come back and hit that next performance block interval with more focus and purpose. So, you know, it's, it's about working with focus and intensity and, and the way you show up at work. And that's really what it means to work like an athlete. Well, that makes sense. Now, you said we typically work 250 days a year. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, you know, of, of all the major sports, which has the longest seasons, I'm thinking basketball, yep. maybe hockey. Mm -hmm. But even those folks get an off season. Absolutely. And regular workers like us, we really don't. I mean, you, you may get a couple weeks a year. So I think even more that makes sense to focus your day and to sort of pace yourself. Mm -hmm. That's that's good stuff. I never I never thought of it that way. Two hundred and fifty days a year without an off season. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and to use your your point, I mean, you know, basketball player is depending on playoffs, we might have a hundred games a year, so they're getting what two hundred fifty off days. So again, you know, the pressure in corporate America is is so significant. There's not as much downtime. That makes it even more important for people to be deliberate about pacing themselves and managing their energy and so much of what you know we do outside of work is that really setting you up to be better at work or is it just draining your energy even further well i'm thinking too pete you know you, where you live and where i live mm -hmm. for 14 15 years the pre-game game ritual is being stuck in traffic yep. and listening to the the news report and the traffic report every 10 minutes and getting and you haven't even got to the stadium yet yep. and then you got to do a full day and then your way of winding down is going in reverse order yep. So, yeah, great advice. Well, you also talk about a one-page productivity tool called the Work Stronger Day Planner. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can share something about that for us. Sure. So um, I think for a lot of people, another big source of stress is their to-do list. You know, the to-do list is just never-ending. It, it has this endless, uh, endless supply of activities you need to complete. So the day planner is a way to, to kind of tighten that up and, and put everything down on one piece of paper, make it much more manageable and less overwhelming. So really what it involves around is creating a plan for the day where you put activities into three different categories. The first category is your scheduled commitments. These are calls and meetings that are fixed 
on your calendar. You've already scheduled them. Um, you know, whether or not those calls or meetings are really the best use of your time is, is another question that might be worth asking. But if you agreed to it, you want to honor that commitment. So that's category number one. What have you committed to? Second category is what I call reminders and fast tasks. So these are five to 10 minute activities, maybe shorter, kind of quick things, personal or professional that could slip through the cracks, but potentially could be important. You know, it could be, hey, I have to call Mac back. Hey, I have to follow up with Mary. Hey, I have to send a contract to Chris. It's these little reminders throughout the day. You want to put those off to the side because they're pretty quick activities that you can complete. And then the third category is what I call unscheduled priorities. These are generally activities you're going to complete on your own that are important. They may or may not be urgent. Could be preparing for a meeting. Could be a strategic planning session. Could be writing an article. And my recommendation would be for people, once they've identified their scheduled commitments and their reminders and fast tasks, to ask themselves, if you only had 30 to 60 minutes tomorrow, what would be the most valuable way for you to use that time? And you ask yourself that question a few times. You identify a few unscheduled priorities. You put them in priority order. So what's most important? What's number two? What's number three? You also want to identify maybe how long each activity is going to take. And if you go through that, you're going to be left with one piece of paper where you've got your calls, meetings, and commitments. You've got your reminders. You've got your priorities in order. And it's a much more manageable document to work off of than some to-do list that really has no prioritization to it. So um, that would be just kind of a quick overview in terms of maybe how to use that tool and, and bring more structure to the day. Well, everything you've shared so far, it, it almost tells us that we need to approach our professional lives like professional athletes. And mm -hmm. I think it's great advice, uh, even for a guy like me, who's more donut driven than, than much of anything else. <laughs> so, so if we've now you've given us the formula, you've given us some tools. Now here's the big part. It's getting it done. And yep. so, you know, we estimate that about 90% of behavior changes tend to fail. Mm -hmm. Why does that happen? And how can our listeners and me for that matter, uh, increase mm -hmm. our chances of getting better at this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of times we know what to do. It's actually doing it. That's the hard part. So, you know, a big part of my goal with my book and any program is to really help people understand, well, how do habits form? You know, why do changes fail? And how can you actually make changes last? I think there's a couple of reasons why most changes fail. I think, first of all, people take on too much at one time. Right. We set these really ambitious New Year's resolutions lists that are just not realistic and sustainable. I think it's also because people don't really have a strategy. You know, we say things like, hey, I want to get healthier. Hey, I want to enjoy life more. Hey, I want to have less stress. But it's just too vague. You know, there's really no tangible nature to it. So one one practical thing that I would recommend that people do, and I, I would challenge anybody listening to this to do this, is to identify what I refer to as a stronger habit of the month. It's a specific behavior. It's something measurable. It's something you're going to start doing or do more often. Or it's something you're going to stop doing or do less often. And I encourage you to put all of your effort into that. Pick something you feel confident you can do every day or most days. Try to make it as automatic as you can over a period of a month. You know, it might take longer, it might take less. That's a good framework. And then whenever that starts to become pretty automatic, add on the next behavior. And, you know, that's a gradual approach. It's not perhaps as sexy as, as trying to change everything at one time, but that's actually how changes are going to last. And it's not going to require any willpower. And if you go through that approach in a period of a few months, 
and you could really be on a different trajectory and the change would actually be likely to stick. So that'd be one uh, practical piece of advice that I'd share in terms of actually making a change last over the long term. No, I think that's useful. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what are we at the time of this interview? We're in April now. I suspect mm-hmm. most people's resolutions have long passed. Unfortunately. And we're, and, and we're gearing up for next year, but uh, it doesn't have to begin at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, Pete, you've given us a lot of really good tips and techniques. And so uh, how can my listeners get a hold of you? I, I'd love them to get a copy of your book, but mm-hmm. more importantly, maybe have you come out and work with them. Sure. So what's the best way to reach you? Sure. So if they'd like to learn more about my corporate programs, they can go to workstrongerconsulting.com. They can certainly also find me on LinkedIn. They can also check out the book at workstronger.com. Excellent. Well, Pete, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us today and uh, enjoy the rest of this year. And we wish you great success. Mac, thanks again for having me. Really enjoyed speaking with you. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information. And sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, We invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on-site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye. Goodbye.